ever played Simon Says? Anybody? You know what? You know Simon? Three of you. Good. Well, the rest of you, I'll explain the rules. Just kidding. Uh, I think you know. It's where the, uh, the leader tells you that some guy named Simon wants you to do something. And if you do it, then you're going right along with what Simon says. But if uh, you don't want to do it, then you don't do it. And if you don't do what Simon says, you're out. Or if you do something and Simon didn't say, I don't, you know what? Simon sounds like kind of a dictator to me. I'm not sure whether that's really. But uh, anyway, I'd like to play a little Simon Says this morning. Get your, uh, get your blood moving a little bit. Although you haven't really relaxed it. A whole lot this morning. So uh, anyway, uh, even people playing online, I don't know whether you're on the treadmill. This would be fun on the treadmill, Simon says on the treadmill. Or uh, maybe you're just waking up. Or maybe you're in the bathtub. Don't tell us about that. You know, whatever. I don't know where people watch this online. I've seen the memes and you have too. But uh, anyway, uh, so here we go. Let's just, let's try something simple. Here we go. Simon says, are you ready? You sure? You good? You there? Everybody's with me. Good. Everybody, I see you. I see you out there. Okay. Simon says, clap your hands. Simon says, stop. You're doing all right. It's good. Simon says, blink your eyes. Simon says, stop. Simon says, stomp your feet. Getting a little cardio workout. It's good. Going to let that one go for a while. Simon says, stop. Simon says, wave your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. All right, stop. Oh, I think I got, Simon says stop. If I didn't, you'd be doing that through the whole, which wouldn't be a bad thing. You guys could do that through the whole sermon, right? We we can do that whether Simon says or not. Give yourselves a hand. That's good. Good job. Way to go. Some of you are a little out of breath. I understand. That's all right. It's good. Simon says stop. Okay, thank you. Thank you for playing. Some people, you know what Simon says is, uh, is really a test, I think, of our willingness to listen to instructions and then decide whether we're going to follow them or ignore them. Or it's also a test of our mental uh, <laughs> ability in whether we're going to uh, really decide whether, whether we're going to do this because Simon said or, or whether we're just not going to. I mean, it, it kind of is an ex- exercise in us realizing that, uh, that we've been a, given a will of our own. We can choose whether to do what Simon says or not. And as we live day to day, we make thousands of decisions, right? We, we are constantly having to weigh out our options and choose what we think is best. And sometimes our decisions are, are, uh, are influenced by things that we're told to do. Uh, we find ourselves being obedient to a lot of different things. And sometimes we don't even think about it like that too much. But, but there are uh, voices and influences all around us. Um, and some of them have our best interest in mind and some of them don't. We have to recognize that God's love for us gives us the, uh, the option to listen to his voice in order to make the best decisions possible in our lives each and every day, in our present day lives. We can begin to recognize God's will for our lives. God's love can reign over our present day lives because, and I think this is, this is key, your choices reveal who or what reigns in your life. If you look at the, the choices that you've made, you can, um, uh, you, you can see who you're listening to. 
If we look back on past decisions, uh, uh, if, if you think today about decisions that you've made in the past, uh, what would we conclude? Uh, if I saw some of the decisions that you've made in the past, uh, what would I conclude? Uh, who would I conclude is in charge? How many of those past decisions were the result of obeying God? I did this because God told me to and, and therefore I did it or, or I just decided because of this or so-and-so wanted me to do. Uh, how many of those choices were the result of obeying sinful desires or the voices that, we, that, we, uh, that are the influences around us? The Apostle Paul had a lot to say about living our lives under God's influence rather than the influence of the world around us and, and he frequently focuses on that topic through all those letters that he wrote that are uh, a huge part of our New Testament. Um, because he, uh, uh, as, as followers of Jesus and as, as people who have responded to the love of God, uh, Paul knew, and uh, it's true, that, that, that his love ought to reign in our lives and rule over our decisions, the things that we decide to do. But often, often that doesn't happen. I think Romans 12 really, uh, really speaks to this. The first two verses of, uh, of Romans 12, um, maybe you've uh, read these a uh, hundred times. Maybe this is the first time. Maybe you've memorized these. Maybe uh, you haven't. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, key verses for us today. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul begins by saying that in order to fully grasp this, this new way of living in the present, uh, we, have to, we have to see life in a certain way. We, we, have, to, we have to be uh, looking at life through a specific lens. Growing up, I, uh, I never needed glasses. Now that I'm the big 5-0, I do. And more and more every day, I notice, if I don't have my glasses with me. Is there anybody out? No, I'm just kidding. It's only for reading mainly, a little bit of whatever. But growing up, I didn't need glasses. Everybody in my family had glasses. I didn't need glasses. I felt a little left out. I wanted glasses. There, were, there may or may not have been a time or two when I had glasses that just had glass in them, just because I wanted to be cool. I know, it wasn't cool, but I thought it would make me cool. So uh, anyway, but, but I don't know. Sometimes I would ask my dad if I could borrow his glasses and put them on. There were, there were times when, when my dad would set his glasses down and, and he'd need to read something, and the way his eyes were, uh, you know, if it was, he'd, he'd take the glasses off and this is how he could read it. Now, to me, that's just, uh, you know, a piece of paper. But uh, to him, that's how he could read the small print. So he'd put his glasses down and I'd ask, Dad, can I put them on? And he'd say, if you're careful. And, and so I'd put them on and, um, and it, I mean, it changed things for me. Uh, you need to know that, um, that, that my dad didn't just have little thin glasses like these to correct a little blurriness. Uh, my dad was, I don't know whether he was legally blind without those glasses, but it sure seemed like he probably was close to it. I mean, they are, uh, I think they took my dad's glasses as a picture next to, uh, next to Coke bottle glasses in the, uh, in the, in the dictionary. Uh, and they were just, you know, well, maybe, you know, but, but they were, they were thick. And so I'd put them on and, and everything changed. For me, everything was just so blurry. The floor sloped away from me. I, I got dizzy if I just turned my head a little bit. And I, I couldn't hardly walk anywhere without running into things. I mean, I, 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 didn't need to, uh, I didn't need to experiment with drugs in high school. I just grabbed my dad's glasses and I could just, tra- I mean, I was on a, on a trip. It was, it was 
But my dad needed those glasses. I mean, from early, I mean, I think he got them when he was five or six. And uh, man, he just, he wore glasses all his life. He, he couldn't function without them. He encountered life through those lenses. And that's when everything made sense. And he could make sense of everything around him. Uh, everything changed when he looked through those lenses. And, and in these verses, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul is telling us that there is a specific lens that we need to be looking through uh, if, if we're uh, living life following him. It changes the way we encounter life and the way we view the world. It reorients us uh, to how we view our present circumstances. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... That's the lens, God's mercy. Looking through the lens of God's mercy into everything else around, and that changes our lives. How many of us tend to complain in our present? You've never, you probably haven't complained in the last 10 minutes. So uh, I see that hand. So uh, we, I mean, we try to, we, we, there's a lot of things that we're not satisfied with and we complain about this and we, we grumble about that and we try to do things uh, on our own. Well, it should be done this way and so we're gonna do it that way and, and we try to be in control of things in order to, I mean, in the worst case scenario, we, we're gonna please ourselves instead of please God because this is how it should be done. Paul invites us to see things differently as we look through the lens of God's mercy. Every, looking at everything in life, everything around us in our present day life in view of God's mercy. God sent his one and only son to die on a cross because of his mercy. He has offered us a fresh start as we confess and repent because of his mercy. God loves us unconditionally because of his mercy. Looking at life through the lens of God's mercy changes everything. Instead of looking at what we want God to do for us, we have to focus on what he has already done. That's living life in view of God's Mercy. Okay, couple couple examples. Yes, that person cut you off in traffic, but in view of God's mercy and all that He's done for you and the transformation that He is He is performing in your life, how should you respond in that scenario? Okay, the kids just just spilled on the carpet again and and they're crying and whining and whining and you are ready to just give them something to whine about, right? And and, and yet, in view of God's mercy, how should you handle the stresses of life? Yes, there's, there's, there's pain and disease and loss and, and the list can go on. We live in a broken world, but in view of God's mercy, how do we live today in the midst of the brokenness? It's the lens that we have to see everything through. In fact, this, this verse there in, in Romans 12, 1 says, says that when we live life looking through the lens of God's mercy, we're compelled to be Something Paul calls living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing to God. Living sacrifice. You catch the oxymoron there, right? Uh, living sacrifice. Two, two words that don't seem to go together and that yet we use them together. Living sacrifice. Kind of like awfully good or clearly misunderstood. Icy hot. Jumbo shrimp. Baggy tights. Or one that was in the, uh, the, the army town that we lived in years ago, military intelligence. They, uh, they, they, they seem like they wouldn't go, to, I can't speak from part, I'm just telling you what I heard. So in, in, in looking at, uh, at life through the lens of God's abundant mercy, 
Paul uses this phrase that doesn't seem to go together that we need to unpack this morning. Uh, He says the only response that's appropriate because of God and his mercy for us is that we are to be living sacrifices. The, The concept of sacrifice would have been uh, rich image with imagery in uh, in the, the the audience that Paul was talking to they would know all about sacrifices I mean a sacrifice involved taking the life of an animal a, a goat a, a sheep a calf a dove uh, they they would take the animal's blood uh, they would they would kill the animal uh, burn it on the altar and it would atone for the sin of the person who brought that to uh, to the temple to sacrifice it that the the life of that animal would uh, would would take the place of or pay the price for the uh, the one who was who was offering the sacrifice uh, through through that death it offered life and and that's why Jesus death was considered to be the ultimate sacrifice for all humanity lived a perfect life he was a perfect sacrifice atoning for all of our sin so so that's a sacrifice but why would Paul use that imagery for us and, and then say we need to be living sacrifices. Psalm 51, uh, verses 16 and 17, I think help us get toward an answer there. Uh, uh, King David is, is writing here and he says, you do not delight in sacrifice. But wait, he just set up the whole, well, let's, let's, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. King David in Psalm 51 is shedding light on the the real reason for the sacrificial system that the Jews had in place. It, it, It wasn't about the sacrifice itself, it was about the heart of the person behind the sacrifice. The true sacrifice of a, a follower of Jesus is a contrite heart and an obedient spirit. That is what God is, is looking for now in us since Jesus has paid it all through, the, through his blood on the cross. He has been the atoning sacrifice for our sins and so we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Being a living sacrifice is actually more difficult than being a dead one. Uh, a dead sacrifice has no choice in the matter, Right? Uh, it has to stay on the altar. It doesn't have any choice. A living sacrifice can crawl back off whenever it wants to. Paul says, in view of God's mercy, we must choose to offer ourselves. We're, We're not forced into this, but we choose to offer ourselves, our lives to God for his use. I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, translated this verse in the message. He says it this way, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Take your everyday ordinary life your present day life, all the circumstances, everything that makes up you, your your eating, sleeping, going to work, walking around life, take that. And offer it to God. Place it before God as an offering. Choose each day, each moment to live a life right now in the present under the rule and the reign of God and his love. It's, it's, uh, uh, if, if you have one of these cards, our questions to live by, we've handed those out from time to time. They're back there on the, on the table. And if you don't have one, uh, grab one or 12 today and put them all around your house. Uh, I've got them up. We've got one on the fridge and we've got them on the computers and, and, uh, five questions that we can ask ourselves. Uh, this is really, uh, you know, question number two, am I trusting and obeying God in everything? 
If I'm asking myself that every day, then I'm confronted with the fact that God wants me to live my life submitted to him, trusting in him, and obeying what he says. Uh, It's not Simon says, it's God says. That's living sacrifice language. Uh, it's, It's a living sacrifice kind of question. Am I trusting and obeying God in everything? It's all about giving our whole lives to God, our everyday, ordinary, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around lives. Many times we offer things to God, right? Uh, Our our money or our time, our possessions, maybe our acts of service. It's one thing to offer things to God, but quite another to offer myself to God, right? Right? In, in one way, I'm choosing, well, God, you can have this, and, and I'll do this for you, and I'll do this, but I'm still in charge. If I offer myself, I'm saying, God, here I am, use me however you want to. I'm a sacrifice. You know, I've, I've noticed over my years in ministry and just thinking through how things work, uh, the motivations that bring us to faith in Christ initially are a little bit self-serving. We're, we're going to God for what he can do for us, right? Uh, they, people commit their lives to Jesus to escape hell or to uh, gain eternal life or to put their lives back together or to have uh, peace and hope and, and all and all that is great. It's great motivation. These, this is what God does for us. These are the benefits and the blessings of, of following God is what he wants to do for us. But, but, but uh, initially, we're motivated by what we can get from God. But as we mature in our faith and as we grow closer to God, it becomes less about what we get for ourselves and more about how we can offer ourselves in service for him. We we start this walk for what we can get and the natural progression is to grow into a spirit of sacrifice, offering our everyday, ordinary, present day lives to God for his use. And that might seem like a like a tall order, right? Offer yourself, offer everything to God. But remember the lens that we're looking through. In view of God's mercy, how could we do any less? He's done so much for us, more than we could possibly comprehend. Uh, This, in fact, says that that doing this, this living sacrifice kind of living, uh, in view of God, because of God's mercy and all he's done for us, it's, I mean, it's just our true and proper worship. It's just natural that we would do this. If we're going to follow God and worship him, this is what it looks like. We're a living Sacrifice. The, the, the churchy word uh, to, uh, for giving ourselves as a living sacrifice to God is consecration. That's like 17 syllables for a Sunday morning. Stick with me. Consecration. When we consecrate ourselves to God, we're, we're simply giving ourselves to him. Uh, you, you can't make yourself holy, but you can give yourself to God so he can make you holy. Consecration is what we do. That's our part. Transformation is what God does in us. We consecrate ourselves to him. He transforms us from the inside out. Verse two says when one big part of that uh, is, is not being conformed or, or influenced by the world around us. One translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the message says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I think that happens more than we want to admit. To the extent that you are fitting into the culture around you, you are limiting the work of God through you. If you are are conforming to the culture around you, 
then you're limiting what God can do. I, I don't mean that you shouldn't try to identify with people or, or get on their level and, and, and try, to, uh, try to build relationships and rapport. And, and uh, uh, Paul says in somewhere else, I'm gonna become all things to all people, but the motivation is not so he can, will be influenced by them, but so that he can win them to Christ, right? So, so we, we, can, uh, we can step alongside people, but we're not conformed to them. We want them to be transformed because of our relationship with them. And so we allow God to be the influencing factor in our lives. It's, it's interesting, it con, both conforming and transforming are, are, thi, are, are not things that we do, right? They're simply things that we allow. We're either allowing ourselves to be conformed to this world or we're allowing ourselves to be transformed by God and his spirit within us. If, if we're being conformed, it's because we're, we're allowing uh, the, the influences around us to shape us more like sin and less like God. But if we're being transformed, it's because we've offered our very lives as sacrifices to God and he's changing us from the inside out. That, that, that word in trans, uh, say, uh, translated transform there in, in, um, in, in verse two, uh, there's actually several Greek words that, that can be translated transform. But Paul specifically uses the one here that, that we would translate metamorphosis. Man, there's another 17-syllable word. Sorry about that. Metamorphosis, I think you know what a metamorphosis, that's the word that, that we use when we think about a, a, a slimy old worm turning into a beautiful butterfly, right? Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a metamorphosis, it, it completely changes. Saul, Paul is using that picture to describe the change that should be taking place in our lives when we offer ourselves completely to God. It, it's not just an outward going through the motions religious thing. I'll do this and do that and I'll be here and, and say this and not do that and here's my list of do's and don'ts. It, it's not an outward, it's, this is deep. It, it changes us from the inside out, metamorphosis. It's not just trying to hear what Simon says so you can follow it and win the game of life. I think we treat God like Simon sometimes. Oh, what did God say? How is he gonna, how, how can I win this game? Well, if I just do this and just do that and just do that, then, then I'll win the game. Somebody else will screw up and I'll be all right. I mean, that's an anxious way of living life, I think. Uh, hoping that you hear correctly so that you're not out. <laughs> this isn't just a change of appearance or behavior. It's a change of essence. It isn't just acting differently. It's being completely different. One of the um, general superintendents in the Church of the Nazarenes. If you're not familiar, uh, the Church of the Nazarene doesn't have a pope. We have six general superintendents. Well, it's not even that much. But uh, we have six of these, these uh, people that, uh, that lead our denomination. One of them uh, uh, was Dr. William Greathouse. I was blessed to have him for a class in seminary. Uh, and uh, anyway, isn't that a great name? William Greathouse. And he had the voice to manage. And he was about 7'2", seven, seven you know. He's just it's present. He says it this way. Dr. William Greathouse wrote a lot on theology, taught, uh, preached, all those things. To be conformed is to fit comfortably within the present age, he says. To be transformed is to be fitted by God for the age to come. So we can either be conformed to, to fit in right now where we're living or we can be transformed so we're ready for the age that's coming, living life for eternity with God. I think far too often we say that we believe in what Jesus has done for us. We know that God loves us 
but then we don't let his love transform our present day lives. We, we excuse bad behavior. We, we, uh, uh, we, we have a bad attitude. We, uh, we just call it, we just sin. And then, then we say, well, that's just the way I am, right? <laughs> I, I knew a guy who, who tended toward uh, some anger issues uh, years ago. He'd get all huffy and then he'd say something in anger and then later he'd just, he'd kind of excuse it, justify it. And he'd say, oh, that's just the old stubborn German in me, he'd say. No, it's not. It's sin in you. It's not the stubborn jerk. It's sin in you. And we all have that. Uh, we excuse our behavior by saying, that's just how I am. I'm only human. But you're not. <laughs> you are a chosen child of God. He has extended his love and mercy to you. The old is gone. The new is here. It's a new creation. We talked about it last week. The, the very spirit of God himself lives inside of you, so we need to live like it. We can't just excuse worldly living, conforming to everyone and everything around us. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We're not living like everyone else. We're letting God's love reign in our lives and it transforms us from the inside out. Verse two says that that once we offer ourselves as as living sacrifices, not conforming to the world, but but allowing God to transform us, then it's then that we can recognize God's will. Kind of a little bit of a turn there as as we reread that passage, but it says, okay, in view of God's mercy, we're looking through the lens of God's mercy. This is how God has interacted with us. He doesn't treat us like we deserve, but he's extended his mercy to us. He's allowed us to have a relationship with him. He wants to change us from the inside out. In view of all that, I'm gonna offer myself as a living sacrifice. God, do with me and through me whatever you will. And, And as I do that, then I allow him to change me from the inside out, and it's then that I start to discover God's will, what he wants me to do today, tomorrow, next week, on Thursday afternoon. I'm walking in relationship, close relationship with him, and he's changed me from the, his spirit is leading me, and then I discover what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Verse two says, this life of selfless worship, allowing God's love to reign over our present day lives will lead us toward godly decisions. He's made us new creations. He has a, he has a plan for our lives, a, a, a good, pleasing, and perfect plan for you personally, but also for the world. And, and so we just want to step into what God's doing, right? It, it starts with our submission to him, uh, submission of our entire lives. We're, we're a living sacrifice. And then we live day to day with Jesus and we're focused on him and we discover his will for our lives. I remember back when, um, when Rebecca and I were engaged, we were engaged for like uh, 14 years, right? It just seemed like that. No, um, this was after the fortune cookie thing I told you about a couple weeks ago and the, we were entangled in love and all that stuff, right? But uh, that time of engagement was, was great, but I also remember that it was a time for me personally of wrestling with God. In essence, in my relationship with God, I had come to the place that, that God could have everything except that relationship with Rebecca. If, if he was going to say, You've got, to, you've got to put an end to that relationship, then I was going to go the other way and I was going to pursue that relationship because that was more important to me than him. I, I remember, I don't know the exact words, but I was praying prayers kind of like, you can have everything, Lord, but not my relationship with her. But I, I want control there. This is what I'm doing. Hope you bless it. This is what I'm doing. I, I, I'd come to the, I, I had to come to the place and I did. 
come to the place of, of complete surrender. God, you can have my life. You can have all of it, even every single relation. Yes, even that one, every single relationship you can have too. My future, my dreams, everything is yours and I trust you, right? Didn't come easy. It took a long time. But I, I got to that place. And you know what's awesome? In that, I discovered that God wasn't trying to rip that relationship away from me. He just wanted to be in charge and, to, and for me to know that he was in charge. He's, he, he, I discovered that he is so for me <laughs> and that, that he loves me. And uh, I don't know, I think it's gonna work out. 29 years in June, I think we've, we've got a chance. We've got a shot. I, God wasn't trying to steal my joy. That's not what he does. He just wanted a living sacrifice. True and proper worship. No one else in charge. His love reigning in my life. So I don't know. You come into church on a day like today or you log online and I don't know if there's anything that you're wrestling with Maybe, maybe you've given God certain things, but not others. Maybe you're new to this faith thing, or maybe you've been walking with God a, a, a long time, or maybe, maybe you can't really describe your worship as, as real and true in light of everything that he's done for you. Have you I think we, we constantly have to be evaluating. Have I taken my everyday, ordinary life, my eating, sleeping, going to work, walking around life, and placed it before God as an offering today? This hour, right now, does God have complete control? Can he do anything he wants to with me? Has he transformed you? Or are you conforming more to the people in the world around you? The challenge for us today is to let God reign in our present lives. That's a present day walking with God. (laughs) Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, letting his will guide and direct us because we have offered ourselves completely to God. I guess I could say, so offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Simon says, right? It probably wouldn't, wouldn't work. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's, that's your spiritual act of worship. Remember his mercy? How could we do any less? Father God, you know each one of us deeply, intimately, personally. You know know where we are with you. You know the the things that we might be wrestling with. You know the the, the struggles and the circumstances. You know the the highs and lows, the the joys and the difficulties. Lord, we, we desire to be living sacrifices for you, holy and pleasing to you. We wanna worship you not just with a few songs on a Sunday. We want to worship you with our lives. Take our everyday, ordinary lives. Transform us. Lord, I pray that you would do inside of us everything that you want to do today so that when we walk out of here, we will walk out ready, willing, and able to be your hands and feet and voice, your ambassadors in the world where we live this week. In Jesus' name we pray.